and welcome to the Sell the Sizzle podcast. This is the show if you want to sell an idea, a product, or a service. We're going to share sales techniques with you so that you can be a sizzling success. Let's go. Hey, this is Mick Holly, and welcome back. We're going to have a bit of fun today. I've entitled this show... How Sherlock Holmes Can Teach Us to Be Sales Rainmakers. I think there are some real key lessons that we can learn from the sleuths' um, ways and means. We've talked about rainmakers before. They're the kind of people that effortlessly nail deals left and right. It's not just luck or charisma. And so similarly, Sherlock Holmes seems to solve the most complex challenges the most esoteric mysteries and always emerges victorious at the end so get, grab your magnifying glass and your deer stalker hat we're about to break it down and there are some key traits that <clears throat> that Holmes follows that we can learn from so number one first of all clue hunting instinct so in the Boscombe Valley mystery, Holmes states, there is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. And just like a detective pours over evidence, a rainmaker dives deep into data. We, don't, we can't just accept the face value, right? We've got to dig down and get every piece of intel to reveal the clues that take us to the hidden treasure chest of a closed deal. Rainmakers understand that behind every prospect lies a trail of breadcrumbs and they follow us relentlessly. Another quote from Holmes, you know my method, Watson, it is founded upon the observation of trifles. So salespeople need to get these clues to be able to understand what's actually going on. You've seen the movies, you've watched Holmes, he's reading the newspaper and he manages to glean amazing insights from newspaper cuttings, from disparate conversations. And you need to be able to do that as as a salesperson, as a rainmaker. So before you do a sales call, before you meet the prospect, you should at least be visiting their website and checking their LinkedIn. It's going to give you clues as to how they think, what their experiences have been. And you can see if they've written or posted anything. Now, the more clues that you reveal, the more that you're able to convey that you understand them and their environment, the more authoritative and learned you will seem when you meet your prospect. I do feel that when salespeople often meet prospects for the first time, that they have literally no clue what the prospect wants, what's their prospect business. If you go in with an inane question like, tell me about your business, well, You should have done your research. You should have uncovered some clues. You should be opening with, look, I know that you run 17 commercial buildings and we can offer flooring or HVAC services for those. And I've got some ideas for you. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges of running, you know, 17 different locations spread throughout this metro region? And how do you handle your satellite offices? That kind of opening tells the prospect that you've done your research, you've followed the clues, and you've already on the trail and you're already ahead. 
The second thing about Holmes was, you know, he observes the unseen. In The Hound of the Baskervilles, he says, the world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes. As a salesperson, you have to be an observer of human behaviour, of interactions, of emotions, because Holmes had that uncanny ability to notice the minutest details that other people have missed. And so when rainmakers are looking at things, they read between the lines of emails, they listen for hesitation in a voice in a meeting, and they spot the tiny flicker of interest in a prospect's eye. They know that the unsaid speaks louder than the spoken. By deciphering these hidden cues, they can gain a crucial edge in steering the deal towards success. Look, here's the killer thing here. The killer objection is the one that remains unspoken. Right? You, you know, it's never about the price. I've talked about price in an episode a couple back. You should go and look at that episode, listen to that episode. It's, it's normally about, they have some reservation about believing in you and your ability to help them get the full value from your product or service. And they may fear defending their decision to buy from you. So when somebody says, well, why did you buy from, you know, Mick Holly at Acme? He's got to defend that decision with conviction because you want that product to be used. If you have any hesitation, the implementation of that solution is going to be weaker. People are going to say, oh, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see how it goes. I probably won't use it. And at the back of the mind, your prospect has got this in the back of his head and doesn't want to say to you, to your face, I don't really trust you to help me with this. I think this could be a bit of a challenge. So you've got to ask hard questions like Holmes does, direct questions, searching questions. Don't be afraid. You've got to flush the unseen, unspoken objection out into the light. A good question might be, why wouldn't you buy this? Give me some reasons why, you know, it might not be a, a great fit. And they've got to answer that question and they'll probably give you, you know, well, I'm, I've been thinking about this. And then it allows you to address that objection, eliminate it and move on to the close. So don't be afraid to confront the unseen and emotional fear your prospect might have. Don't worry about that emotional abyss. There is an earlier webcast navigating the emotional abyss from no to yes where I talk about this in great detail. The third attribute the great detective has is he, he tailors his approach. He bases his strategy on the suspect's personality and motives, and they customise his approach. So like a rainmaker, you need to be able to craft your pitch like a tailor designs a bespoke suit. It needs to be perfectly fitted to the individual's needs and desires. Yes, you have a product. Yes, you have a series, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. It needs to be shaped and connected to your prospect so that it resonates with them deeply. They feel they're buying something unique, fit for purpose, that is going to work. Now, in order to get there, you need a deep and intimate connection. And that's not born out of one or two meetings or phone calls. It's built gradually over time. You can build the foundations of trust. The greatest salespeople I've seen is, is, is first of all, 
they're very, very responsive. If a client asks them for something, information, give them a call, and they immediately get back to them. So you are already conveying that if there's ever going to be a problem, and subliminally you're communicating, I am your responsive partner. Whatever you need, I am going to attend to it quickly. And so that's the first thing. You are already, you're already demonstrating how you and your organisation will work with your prospect by what you do in the sales process. The more responsive they are, you are, the more learned and knowledgeable they are, you are, the better, the, the more confidence the prospect is going to have that you're going to be around and you're going to be responsive and you're going to be able to help them, you know, post them inking the contract and giving you the money. M- more powerfully, if you can preempt their questions, don't just be reactive, be proactive. So you can call your prospect, ask them, how 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 they are you could just even call them up saying hey, i was thinking of you or i saw something in the in the press i thought you might be interested in it to show that you care and you've done you've sold your product or service many 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 times and you know these are the hurdles that people struggle with and you can call up and preempt and actually say hey when you when you're thinking about putting your a request for proposal together or as you're thinking as you're planning your resources for this you need to be aware that these are the three things that often people either forget or they stumble on and i want to give you some ideas on how you can avoid those pitfalls and now and now you are an authority you've got this authority and wisdom and you can be able to uh, distance yourself from the competitors Talking of breadcrumbs, right? The rainmakers always leave a little breadcrumb in every meeting because what you what you don't want to happen, and we we we've all had this happen. We're running great campaigns, we're talking to the prospect, and all of a sudden the prospect goes quiet on us. It, it's a dreadful feeling. I call it Death Valley, and you want to avoid Death Valley by always leaving a little breadcrumb of something that you're going to get back to them on. They might mention something in the meeting, you know, I'm really, really interested in such and such. And you go, oh, we have a division that deals with that, or we have some information on that, or we wrote a report on that. Let me do some research on that and get back to you. So a couple of days later, you can call them up and say, hey, I've got I've got that data that you wanted. I've got that report. I've got that research. Or there's somebody else in my organisation that can give you a little bit of insight on that. I want to tee up a conversation. You've now created a mechanism to continuously talk. And if your prospect is talking to you, they can't be talking to your competitor. And every time you speak with your prospect, you are deepening that emotional bond. You want to make it difficult for them ever to say no to you because you've invested so much in helping them that they would be embarrassed to say no to you. So make sure that you've got those breadcrumbs. Make sure that you tailor that approach. The fourth thing is, Sherlock Holmes doesn't work on his own. He might be a super detective, but he has a sidekick. He has Dr. Watson. Now, the most 
famous quote attributed to Dr. Watson is elementary, my dear Watson. In actual fact, that quote does not appear in any of the Holmes stories. He says elementary a lot, and he says my dear Watson a lot, but he doesn't bring the two together. But elementary my dear Watson is something that's seared on on our consciousness if you've ever watched the movies or uh, read the books is something that just sits in there so here's the thing every Sherlock needs a trusty Dr Watson by their side and in the sales world that's your sales support person or your sales support team and just as Watson provides a sounding board for Holmes's deductions right Sherlock needs somebody to articulate his thinking as it forms to test it and when Watson asks him questions and is incredulous about some of the insights he asks Holmes to explain those insights and in that explanation in that denouement in that unraveling Holmes creates even more certainty about his deductions so you can't just be the only person in the sales process that's deriving information right you want to be able to have a third party listening and that's your sales support people often they're the silent heroes they gather intel they analyze data and they also provide insights they're listening with a different pair of ears i know i tell you that sales people have two ears and one mouth and should use them in those proportions but we get excited as salespeople and often we just will do so much talking and we don't do enough listening. And actually having somebody else in the meetings with you in the sales process to listen is incredibly powerful. And when you debrief after a sales meeting, which I advocate that you do, and write down your notes, you'll find that you have heard different things. You've got different perspectives on what the customer really once and when you calibrate those you come to a much more powerful conclusion a richer conclusion on what the prospect needs which allows you then to put together a more comprehensive and focused proposal now they're not just sidekicks they're essential cogs in the deal closing machine one thing that you should do in any sales process talking about third parties and uh, sales support, you should always have somebody who, who is able to call the prospect up. Let's say you've run a really, really good campaign and we haven't quite inked the deal yet. There's some degree of uncertainty. A good technique is to have somebody other than you, the salesperson, call up the prospect and say, hey, I know that uh, you know Mick Holly's been working with you and we've got a proposal in. I noticed that we haven't started yet. Are there any concerns that you might have? And that prospect will often articulate things to you, the third party, that they would not say directly to the salesperson's face because they, they don't want to offend them. There's so much 
camaraderie and, and respect that you just don't really want to say to the salesperson something that you think might offend them or you don't think that they've got the capability or they haven't addressed certain things. You're embarrassed to say that to somebody, but that you, you'll actually speak volumes about it to somebody else. So always make sure in the sales process that you've got somebody, might be the sales manager, might be a sales support person, might be the installation engineer, whoever it might be, you can call and ask that question and you'll get a completely different answer. Now, nobody achieves great success alone. And that Dr. Watson was happy enough to be present in Homes of Shadow. But your sales support team need a little bit more TLC. Treat them as equals. Let them share in the success and you will have a great, well-engaged, well-motivated and formidable team. The fifth thing is piecing together the puzzle. I love this quote from the story Silver Blaze, where there was a curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. And here's the quote. Watson is saying, is there any point to which you would wish to draw my attention to the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime? But the dog did nothing in the nighttime. That was the curious incident, remarked Sherlock Holmes. I mean, it's just, it's awesome, isn't it? That's the curious. You know, nothing happened, according to Watson. Nothing happened. The dog didn't bark. And Holmes said, the fact that the dog didn't bark, that's very, very curious. Right? So Holmes looks at the, the evidence and they, they, get be, they get behind everything. And what the Rainmaker does in, in their pursuit in putting together the puzzle is that you need to understand what the client's pain points are and show that how your product solves a problem, right? You need to identify the missing links and the gaps in the prospect's current situation and then show how your product or service completes the puzzle, how you close the gap. Now, in this phase, like Holmes, you, you've got to ask great questions that will uncover the truth. And that is showing the gap between where they are now and the outcome that they want. I One of the questions I always ask people, and this depends upon the time frame of your, your, your service or product delivery. So I've sold a lot of programs where I help people improve their profitability and cash flow of their business, their sales over a 12-month period. And one of the questions I asked was, is, what do you think success would look like in 12 to 18 months' time? And you allow your prospect to describe what that looks like. And they will attach an emotional feeling to that. They'll start using creative visualization. They'll build a picture in their mind of success. And they might say, well, we've got, you know, our revenues will have increased by 20%. It'll be much more predictable. So month to month, I know I've got a constant stream of business, which allows me to keep my network of subcontractors fully employed and engaged. I'm going to be able to reduce the amount of waste 
and frustration in the organization. So I'm doing more, but I'm working less inside the business. And having a very healthy cash flow means it's going to reduce my stress and I'm going to be able to eliminate my debt. And then you can then contrast that with where they are today. They've got unpredictable revenue. They don't have enough revenue. You know, one month they've got to lay off half of their, you know, installation crew and their subcontractors that they're going to work with somebody else and not come back. They're constantly fighting to either pay their suppliers or pay their employees and the owners never get any, any money. So now you've got this huge gap, emotional gap between where they are and where they need to be. But what you want to do is anchor yourself to that aspirational image so that when they see you, right, they get this feeling of, oh, yeah, imagine that successful future. And then in that particular instance, don't get bogged down in the how you're going to get there because that takes them away from the image. You know, you can work that out with uh, with their people. But expressing and, and articulating that gap is absolutely critical in piecing the, the, the puzzle together. Now, salespeople enjoy the thrill of the chase. And there's always a thrill of the chase in a, a Holmes story. And in the sign of four, Holmes says, how often have I said to you that when you've eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. So detectives and rainmakers must drive through the impossible and make it possible. You must always express aspiration. You must always express belief so that your prospect knows that you can solve the, the problem, right? And you don't need to be scared off by the objections. Get those objections out and dig deeper to uncover their root causes of hesitation. Identify all those barriers and show your prospect how you can overcome them. Even getting into the game requires eight to ten touches. In order to get anybody to buy anything, it's going to take at least eight to ten attempts. And follow-up is the one skill when applied which will singularly change the course of your sales destiny. I talk about that in episode 17. Do you show up or throw up with your follow-up? So do you show up or throw up with your follow-up? And the follow-up as a discipline is the single most important discipline that will differentiate you and make a huge difference to your sales destiny. The seventh point is... We never exist in a vacuum. So meet Moriarty, the worthy adversary. There's not really a competition if there isn't an adversary. Right? So we've all got our arch nemesis. We've all got a competitor. They're cunning. They're always one step behind. They're nipping on your tails. In the story, The Final Problem, we get to learn a little bit more about Moriarty and Holmes's description of him is, I could not rest, Watson. I could not sit quiet in my chair if I thought that such a man as Professor Moriarty were walking the streets of London unchallenged. Now, just as Holmes and Moriarty engage in a battle of wits, rainmakers and competitors engage in a cutthroat game of one-upmanship. Right, so we need to adapt, we need to change our strategy dependent on 
those adversaries. Sometimes I talk to salespeople and they say, oh, no, I've got this deal. Yeah, it's just me. I got last look. There's nobody else involved. My great sales mentor, Jerry Burke, who I affectionately called Jerry, the dog ate my homework, Burke, because he was always so unpredictable, but he was genius. He would constantly tell me, Mick, if you don't have the inside track, someone else does. This would often manifest with Jerry when I had my sales campaigns. I'd be talking to the decision maker and I'd be building a good relationship with them. I'd understand their needs. I'd put a proposal in place. I felt I was in a good position. But due to the nature of the size of the deals that I was selling, you know, multi-million dollar consulting deals, the decision maker would usually have to go to the person I call the authorizer. Sometimes it'd be a person, sometimes it might be a board of, of directors. And Jerry would say, have you, have you talked to the chairman, the chairman of the, of the board? No, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked to him, Jerry. He's not, he's not involved. He likes his people to, to deal with that. And then, you know, those people will come to him and um, they'll make a re recommendation. And I think the recommendation is going to be he, me. He says, you need to go and talk to the chairman because somebody else make, has got a relationship with the chairman. So when you're talking to your, your prospect and there's somebody else in their organization who's going to be materially involved in shaping the decision, you have to assume that your adversary has cultivated a communication channel. They've met them at a function. They've got access. They share the same golf club. They share the same accountant or something. So if you don't attend to that and go and assume that Moriarty's got the ear of your prospect, you are doing yourself a disservice. So never rest until you've brought shape to your foe. And then you have devices and strategies to eliminate you know how to beat them right you're better than them but you need to know who you're up against so that you can make sure you're talking to the right people and you're putting the right messages together so a little wander through the Sherlock Holmes detective stories now when you sales detectives are on the hunt for that elusive deal make sure you channel your inner Sherlock and your inner rainmaker Embrace the art of reading between the lines, dissecting data, getting prepared and piecing together the perfect pitch. And then you can have fun, right? Because what's the point of sales if we don't enjoy it? Transform every sales interaction into a thrilling investigation and watch as you snag deals that others would only dream of because it is enjoyable you're enjoyable to work with. Your prospects like working with you. You enjoy the mystery. You enjoy asking questions. You are well prepared. And your prospects actually looking forward to, to meeting with you. So the stage is set. The spotlight's on. Now go solve the case and claim your victory. Now, <laughs> I, uh, I, I couldn't end this podcast without a little joke. My favourite Sherlock Holmes joke. So here we are. Holmes and Watson are on a camping trip. And in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up and gives Dr. Watson a nudge. Watson, he says, look up in the sky and tell me what you see. 
I see millions of stars, Holmes, says Watson. And what do you conclude from that, Watson? Watson thinks for a moment. Well, he says, astronomically, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, I see that God is all-powerful and we are small and insignificant. What does it tell you, Holmes? Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> oh dear, that was funny. Well, I hope you enjoyed this uh, this dissertation. I've taken about 30 minutes today. Wow, sorry for taking so long. Hope you get something out of it. Always reach out to me. You can go to speaktomick.com. In more episodes, you can find at sellthesizzle.net and uh, we will see you when the next detective case comes up. <laughs>